The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And um, the four of us will each talk, talk about one topic, um, which I'll tell you which are in a minute. A uh, little, kind of a short, short little bit about each of these four um, topics, and then um, we'll expand the conversation to include you all. And um, so I was thinking I could say this is uh, about aspects of livelihood, right? Livelihood, um, and the four topics are belonging. So a sense of belonging, a sense of self-worth and pers- personal efficacy is a second topic. The third is healing and reconciliation. And the fourth is meaning and direction. So I'll just repeat them, just sort of to take it all in. And um, like I said, I'll, I'll start and I'm going to talk about the topic of belonging and the second topic will be by Liz and that'll be self-worth and personal efficacy the third topic will be led by Bruni healing and reconciliation and the fourth uh, will be led by Chris and, and that topic is meaning and direction So um, I'll start with belonging. It's really nice to feel you belong, yeah? It's such a joy when we feel we belong. Like we fit, we're part of, we're connected. We have a, a, a seat, a space. And the more I thought about um you know, how do we value and encourage a sense of belonging and experience it? The more I noticed in myself how wobbly belonging is. Squirrely. And there's a lot of reasons for that, and I'll kind of reflect on that, but I just really want to both acknowledge how wonderful, how, like, quenching and satisfying and wonderful it is and profound, like maybe some of the most powerful, positive experiences in my life have been moments, sometimes short and sometimes long, meaning maybe a year or two or something like that, or maybe five minutes of belonging. Um, but <clears throat> it's an impermanent experience, even within the same kind of configuration of people or situations. In addition to the impermanent nature of it, there's also um, maybe my own, and and I'm not alone, <laughs> ambivalence about belonging sometimes. You know, it sometimes feels like a burden or a a duty or somehow I just don't want to kind of be have this sense of obligation or identification or something. There's just something about it. Um, and I, 
I was thinking about uh, how did I come to feel like I belonged at IMC, which you know mostly I do, not entirely all the time. And actually, the moment came uh, a moment with Gil, where he said, essentially, you belong if you want to. Everybody belongs if they want to here. And that there was something super helpful for me about that, the openness of that, because then I got to decide, (laughs) to some extent, if I wanted to belong or not, right? Or it got to have more of this, like, um, movement in it. It could be that it, sometimes I felt more sense of belonging and sometimes not, or... Yeah. Um, the other thing, I'll come back to this sort of wobbliness and, and why I, I kind of, what I've sort of related to or thought about about that, but another part of belonging I wanted to mention sort of within the, the Dharma world is this, the triple gem, right? Lists three things, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, <laughs> yes, the Sangha. And how important the Sangha is in the Buddhist teaching is, to me, reflected in a, a conversation he had with Ananda. You guys know Ananda, the cousin of the Buddha, who was his beloved assistant for you know most of the Buddha's life. And um, the, the Ananda said to the Buddha, you know, based on, this is from the Upada Sutta, and, um, and that Ananda was enthusiastically speaking, and the word is declares. This is half of the holy life, Lord. Admirable friendship, admirable companionship, admirable camaraderie. And then the Buddha replies, don't say that, Ananda. Which is like, don't, don't say that, Ananda. Don't say that. Admirable friendship, admirable companionship, admirable camaraderie is actually the whole of the holy life. When a monk has admirable people as friends, companions, and comrades, he can be expected to develop and pursue the noble eightfold path. So it's clearly incredibly important to have a sense of connection, belonging, a community. But maybe it's also incredibly important to have some fluidity within that connection, community, and belonging. There's a... um, So one of the things that I kind of connect to and my that comes from my teaching as a therapist that actually is is rooted in buddhist um philosophy it's called compassion focused therapy is there's this model that um it's a biopsychosocial model of understanding humans and it really talks about these three main systems that drive behavior and they contain a group groupings of emotions and they're classified in a very simple way drive system threat system and compassion system so the drive system is all about 
trying to accomplish and get things done. It has a lot of competition and energy in it. There's a lot of um, sort of personal or group goals related to doing and getting. And then the threat system obviously is about identifying and responding to and protecting ourselves from perceived threats. And then the compassion system is about a sense of belonging, right? Contentment, connection. And the way that um, I understand our minds is that it's incredibly important for us to have a sense of connection. We need to feel a sense of belonging so that the threat system can relax, actually. The thing is, is that our in, we might belong or be able to choose to belong, but we can also misperceive or perceive a sense of not belonging very easily. It can be very subtle. Um, today, when I came in, um, there were three chairs up here for teachers when I arrived. Well, I actually had said at some point I was going to come halfway through the class. You know, who knows why there were only three chairs, but there were three. And I'm not teaching very much today, right? And I th- I noticed just in my own mind, oh, look, I-, I don't quite belong, right? So I just like, that's fine. I'll sit over here. And then, of course, Bruni put a chair for me. And uh, so I was up here. But it's just so subtle, so simple, so easy that we can feel like we don't belong, right? And the threat system is really always looking out for, you know, our safety, our sense of connection. And it looks for subtle cues that might tell us that we're not exactly safe or included or part of something. And the truth is, it moves around, right? We might all be part of the sangha, but we don't all teach or we don't all volunteer or we don't all attend the same things. And so if some people go to the women's mindfulness circle and they're part of that community and you and somebody else doesn't because you're a man or you just don't go, you don't belong, right? So even within this setting, there's a lot of belonging and not belonging. So navigating that. Um, and being aware and understanding that about how our minds are so tricky and it's just the way we're wired is really important to sort of, so that we can start to work with and learn from our own responses and not just react, not just get caught and stuff. Um, so there, there's some Dharma things I think that are helpful for helping kind of increase a sense of, um, living in a more compassionate, connected mind. And those things are really the Brahma Viharas. They're mind states of metta, loving kindness, compassion, mudita, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. And those mind states are um, something that we can work on and cultivate that can help create a much more uh, connected mind that works and flows much more easily. So, having said all that, I wanted to ask you all this question. What, when, do you feel you belong at IMC, and when don't you? Just to put it out there and maybe see what kinds of things people say. And we're all going to have different experiences, but is anybody willing to share reflections? Um, can I request that uh, we touch on the four topics and then 
maybe use the reflect the breakout session for that. Yeah. Because I'm realizing our timing was just, a little. <laughs> I just went talk. I went too long. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so if if you can hold, a, that's a really valuable question that she just asked, and we're each talking about different lenses that you could use as you think about right livelihood, what you produce and what you consume. So take it in, and then when we get into the breakout groups, maybe one of them will be up for you, and um, please come back to that question if that's what you you feel like, ah, yeah, that's one of the lenses for right livelihood. So the lens that that I... uh, Drew was self-worth and efficacy. So when you think about what you do with your day um, and your life, um, do you have a sense of self-worth and do you feel effective? So we could say uh, self-worth is kind of an inner resilience about your actions in this world, you know, what you're putting out in this world uh, at work or at home in terms of actions. Are they skillful or are they unskillful? Um, and your interactions with other people, are they skillful, unskillful? And are you flexible about that? Or do you go to a place that feels, you know, that where you start attacking yourself or feeling bad about yourself? Um, do you have a healthy confidence? I, c- I can do this path. I can practice this way. Um, the, the Buddha is quoted of, as having said, you can search the entire world and you will never find anyone you love more than yourself. In the same way, all other beings love themselves fiercely. And, but he uses that as a rationale or a jumping off point for compassion. That if you love yourself really well and, you, and every being on earth loves itself, himself, herself, their self equally, you know, you, you can practice compassion. Um, and so what I'd like to say about right livelihood is if in what you consume in this world or what you do with your day brings up feelings of lack of self-worth where you don't feel good about yourself, maybe that's a great starting point for right livelihood because you have some indicator, oh, something's off, something's not... Uh, resonating with my inner uh, world. And so what is it about what I'm producing or consuming or doing that is bringing about these feelings of lack of self-worth or even you know, self-aggrandizement, on the other hand, if you, if you think, well, I'm fantastic, but what's wrong with all these other people? <laughs> That's a jumping-off point for right livelihood because what are we doing? We're noticing suffering. And then we can investigate the cause of suffering with respect to right livelihood. The second piece, efficacy, is, you know, do you feel that what you do in this world um, has the kind of result that you intend? Or does it feel um, productive? Does it feel successful? Does it feel good to you? And again, if you experience a lack of that with respect to whatever you're doing with livelihood, you know, taking care of people at home, raising children, working in the world, um, if you don't feel good about that or about what you consume, what you take in, what you use of the resources, again, that's a great jumping off place to see, okay, here's suffering with respect to right livelihood, and here's where I can 
explore what's the cause of that. So those are some uh, points that you might be able to work with later when we do the discussion groups. So healing and reconciliation. Um, So as I guided you in the meditation, you know, I brought all these different circles. And I think that for me, healing and reconciliation has been this aspect within livelihood that all these concentric circles um, has, um, has connected as I recognize uh, the parts within me that needs myself to attend to. Meaning, at uh, least mention this, uh, the first noble truth really, really getting to know how it is that I get caught, really, really meeting how it is that um, I cling or not, what is put on me uh, in, you know, within society and what I decide to do with, with that. So there's a sense, I see like the thread you know, crossing all these different concentric circles as a thread of responsibility, of healthy responsibility that starts coming out from from myself as I recognize how it is that I live my life, what is important to me, and how I relate to others and to myself, and, and how I integrate, you know, this spiritual path and I would say that within healing and reconciliation, the factors of wise view and wise intention and wise speech and wise action, but especially wise view and wise intention, have been incredible, incredibly helpful to look at. Because it, there has been a sense of discernment of what views are useful, skillful to have and hold, and which are not. Um, <clears throat> there is this sense of, and I, you know, I, I, I guess this, this theme that I'm going to mention now, it comes across all the themes that we're talking about. And it's this human need to be seen. This human being to be, to be seen, you know, and that that sense to be seen uh, could be it could be interpreted in many different ways. I think that maybe we're like thirty, forty people here. There may be thirty, forty people, uh, forty different ways of how 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 it is for you to be seen. And for me, there has been a lot of healing. On that, what what it means to, you know, what it means to me within the relative, you know, kind of the relational aspect, what it is to 
to also being seen by me. You know, we talk about being seen, but sometimes I have forgotten. You know, I remember uh, one time and I, I thought, oh, I have forgotten this. That I have ignored moments in which I have been suffering or that I have been feeling a lot of, you know, resistance towards others and myself. And I remember, you know, at one time with Gil, he said to me, you don't have to work this hard. So, Bruni, I think, I think he mentioned that to me, like, through the years in different practice discussions, like, you know, several times. It was part of the practice discussion. You don't have to work that hard. And little by little, I just felt like I was, like, just relaxing, relaxing, relaxing. And I can feel that healing coming in as I'm open up to you know, that relaxation, that relaxation. So healing may be uh, seen and, you know, we all have different ways of healing and also different ways to reconcile, to come back into alignment with ourselves, to see if there's anything that we need to attain in relation to others. And like Chris mentioned, to, you know, to, to use some of the teachings the teaching of Hiri and Otapa, the teachings on forgiveness, the teachings in the Brahma Viharas, and the teachings in standing like a mountain equanimously and relate to experience without being against or in favor, but in a wise way, responding out of love, compassion, joy, and equanimity. Time. <laughs> I just want to add one more word about where these came from. They're, they're like four, four sets of factors in human needs and human what makes a human life rich and satisfying that Gil offered us when we were in the mentor training program and we found it useful in conjunction with livelihood. So these are probably not the only lists you could make about what's meaningful, but it just opens up different lenses to look at this. So meaning and direction. Um, You know, this is what a lot of people look to their livelihoods for or find through their livelihoods. And when we're talking about, you know, aliveness and <laughs> liveliness and all that, it's, it's, uh, becomes, it's something that's very important. And I also want to reflect for a moment that these are actually two different things, meaning and direction. So just think for a moment about meaning. One of the things that's been so valuable to me in the practice is to be able to let go of grasping for meaning in terms of things I could put words around or what's going to happen or who I am or identification with my job or whether I'm doing my job well enough or not or whether my job is serving all the needs of society. So there's something really that transcends that that we can get from our practice where meaning, you know, ultimately 
I guess it's not news to anyone that we're going to die, right? So meaning, <laughs> meaning is something, what kind of meaning will be there for you? You know, what, what is meaning that's really kind of timeless and has to do, I love a story Gil tells about his teacher, Mel Weitzman, one day telling him, you know, just to be alive is enough. And somehow touching into that feeling has been so balancing for me in all the questions of livelihood and what I'm doing. And it's really quite separate from the judgment of how things are going and so forth. So just touching into what is meaning, what is meaning to you in a way that will really, that serves that need to be okay already. You know, you, you are a product of conditions of the universe you are you are that you are okay already in some deep sense so what is that touching into that meaning and then letting that inform whatever um, other ways that you find your livelihood meaningful and direction direction by definition has a sort of time arrow in it (laughs) you know it's going somewhere and it's 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 been so incredibly valuable in my life to understand the what the buddha offers as the meaning and direction of life is this potential to radically reduce or eliminate suffer a certain kind of suffering in oneself and in others and that i just for myself i keep finding that a very satisfying understanding of what's the purpose of life the meaning of life and then the direction comes when it's something it's something that you can do it's an orientation you know, that you can keep reorienting toward what you can do. And of course, bringing it back to more mundane livelihood, there's a lot of ways in which direction is embedded in livelihood, but also it can go on beyond the job itself. So as as a natural arc to human life, where there's your building and creating things as a young person, and then maybe your direction becomes mentoring other people. You know, because it's not it's not going to be your profession anymore. You're going to be handing it off and teaching other people what to do. So the meaning and direction can come from a long-range trajectory of what you're, kind of the conditions that you're contributing to society that might unfold over, who knows, what species, what eons of development are left on this planet or elsewhere. So there's a there can be a very big scope to how you find meaning and, and direction in what you're doing. And through your through your practice. So, are, are we going to break out now and then have a general discussion? We are. Okay. Um, so, thanks to my <laughs> uh, fellow panelists for being flexible. We we originally talked about talking about each of these in between, but it felt like it would be um, that's one way to do it, and this is the other way. <laughs> so, we're going to break out into pairs, and um, when you pair up with one other person. Uh, I'll offer you a couple questions, and what you can do with that time is one of you can speak for five minutes, like just, you know, riff on whatever came up for you in this discussion that was, you know, kind of struck a chord with you about any of these dimensions and right livelihood. And then um, the other person's job is to listen wholeheartedly to you and not comment. Then we'll switch, I'll ring a bell and we'll 
uh, spend a minute just gathering ourselves again and in silence. And then the other person gets their five minutes to riff on what came up for them or what's meaningful for them. And then I'll ring a bell for another minute of silence. And then we'll have five minutes that you can just dialogue about it more freely. Um, so if you would pick one other person and just find a place to sit, then I'll, I'll pose the, the prompt again. So. Um, could could one of us be a partner? Thank you. All right. So uh, I'd like to pose the question. So you heard these four uh, dimensions of belonging, self-worth and e- efficacy, healing and reconciliation, and meaning and direction. So, um, how are those factors, or the one that really, or the ones that really sprung um, up for you? How are they nourished in your life? And how can practice support and enrich them? So, decide who's the first person, and that first person speaks for five minutes about that. Just you know, allow yourself to freely discuss it and discover new stuff for yourself. You don't have to tell the other person a story, but rather just explore for yourself out loud for five minutes. And then I'll ring the bell in five minutes and we'll have a moment of silence before we switch. So first person, identify which is the first. Is there a question? Okay, I'm going to repeat, sorry. Excuse me for interrupting. Um, there was a request to repeat the four dimensions we talked about again. So one was belonging. You know, and, and Tanya's question, do you feel like you belong here at IMC? Two was self-worth and efficacy. Do you feel good about yourself as in the way you're living and consuming? Three was healing and reconciliation. You know, how, how is that thread from you to society? working. And four was meaning and direction, the meaning of your life and the trajectory of it. So allow yourself to riff on how those are being nourished and how your practice can help support them, or any one of them that resonates for you. All right, please start. Maybe I'm working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am? Okay. So um, what would you like to share that came out of that? That, you know, you you couldn't hear me. Um, You could share a little bit in the bigger group that could inspire each other or um, inspire yourselves with what you just learned from one another. 
So we'll pass the mic around, Tanya and Bruni. I wasn't having my hand up, but I'll share something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we were talking about belonging to IMC um, and how... My hypothesis is that IMC selects for certain personalities in that world. We tend towards more shy than not, um, and which leads to us being quieter than in love gatherings. So I was just sharing this reflection um, that it takes a while to get to know people, but it's worth it. <laughs> it takes a while. <laughs> Thank you. Are we shy? <laughs> yeah, I guess we are. I am seeing changing my life for sure. <laughs> I've been uh, involved in some form or the other for over two years now. You know, uh, I've been practicing. One thing I learned in one of the lec- one of the talks here. I think uh, Thani Sarabiku was here one time, and he made this comment in the middle that just hit me. Could, who could have thought just focusing on your breath can change the way you think? <laughs> that was the, just the most powerful line of all of teaching because all my life I pursued the knowledge path of re- reading the information, but it never connected to the experiential part of it. I, I, so it was a big gap between the knowing and doing. <laughs> but that breathe, breathing and the meditation was the trick that I learned and I learned to like it, meditation-wise. It becomes my life priority right now. I'm averaging three hours of sitting meditation and an hour of walking meditation a day, at least. It's huge in terms of uh, how I feel content, and I'm, I'm out of my blood pressure medication first time in nearly 30 years. <laughs> you know. But more and most important thing is uh, the intentionality with which I come to Wednesday morning uh, half days or weekend full days or uh, special lectures here or constantly listening to audio dharma on girls' talks or any one of your talks. It, it, it's not like you know there's work and then you have to do certain work, but there is a very few things in my life. I have the intentionality of uh, such so much joy and pleasure just wanting to be part of the Sangha. I really appreciate everything that you all do here. Uh, including the people. Every time I come here and listen to everyone, I'm sure a couple of new light bulbs are turning on. Light bulbs are turning on in me as well. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I just want to say that I really appreciate Tanya. You starting with the the revelation that when you saw the three chairs, then your reaction to that, and I would. My first thought was, that happens to her too. So <laughs> I just really appreciate you for sharing that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I um, had uh, had an experience of feeling very welcome and belonging uh, since I started coming here almost a year ago. Um, there is a development of the Asian Sangha that's meeting that I went to the first meeting and had an experience of not feeling uh, like I was belonging. Um, I'm half Asian, 
uh, and a woman showed up who was a partner of an Asian person, and she was actually excluded from the group because she wasn't Asian, but she was excluded from the group by another non-Asian person. So I felt that was all sort of... um, I didn't feel uh, welcome at that uh, sangha, and uh, I guess they've redefined who's welcome at the sangha now, so I'm not sure whether I feel welcome still there or not, but I'm going to try and go again. Tricky stuff. I went to a different place, but I have to say just sitting here, I got some insight that maybe will help me. I I was thinking more about the concept of belonging. I was thinking more about the concept of belonging in, in a negative way or to a negative means or end. Um, to use an example, if if you join a, a, a gang or, you know, you're part of something dangerous and Or, you know, in our current climate, if you're part of a very polarized view of things, if you're uh, a white nationalist, say, for example, and, um, and, and, you know, being part of a gang, what does that mean? In some ways, maybe it's protective, but maybe as an individual, you become more dangerous. And maybe you would say that's effective, but you become part of something that's worse. Um, and so I was thinking about it in terms of compassion and da 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 da, da. And so now I'm going to lose this thought, but as I was sitting here, I was just thinking about the fear. And that people, perhaps, we can think about, or I can think about, people going to a polar opposite position or group than I believe in or that I can understand. And that maybe a way to make peace with that is to try to look at what are they afraid of that makes being in that group a better alternative. Just to elaborate on that, I had the same reaction that when people feel a sense of connection, they can also ramp up um, each other's fear systems. If they hear each other saying that, oh, this is so dangerous, this is what's happening to our country is so dangerous, they um, um, because of all these new pe- outsider people or whatever, um, they can just yeah make their own fear worse rather than than um, than better. It's just an observation. So um, uh, let's see how to put this. Um, I, I reflected a bit. Well, I guess what resonated for me a lot was um, Tanya's framework for the drive, uh, the motivation systems, um, uh, the different the the drive system, the threat system, and the compassion system. And I was kind of putting that in the context of um, belonging at work. And I've always had a pretty strong connection with my livelihood until recently um, when it's just kind of um, 
now I just see it as like a lot of, um, I didn't have the kind of language for it, but a lot of drive and threat, at least for me, um, some compassion, um, but the, it, it, to me, it's now, it seems very much driven that way. And I've kind of like this multi-decade connection with a, a, a path of livelihood is just kind of, I don't feel like I belong there anymore. It's, and, and, but there's also correspondingly a much deeper connection with um, uh, the Dharma and, and, and IMC. So. Wonderful. Um, you know, we we are going to have m- lots more time to talk during the tea, but I think it would be useful, um, Tanya, if you would lead us in just a couple minutes settling sit. It's kind of useful sometimes to alternate between the coming back to meditation and going out and talking about things. Does anybody need to rush out of here at 3.30? You do? You do? You guys do? You do? Okay. All right. So this is a this will be just a quick settling. So you know snow globes don't take too long to settle. So maybe we can all be snow globes here, just feeling your feet, settling, setting things down, letting them come into the felt realm of the body and breathing in the center of it. Just feeling more and more present, connected to your present moment experience. Breathing. With an open heart. And one final deep breath. Breathing in, full, rich. Breathing out, long, deep. Letting go, letting go, letting go. <laughs>